Hallelujah. Good evening, everybody. It's uh, almost seven o'clock. We're a few seconds away. Welcome to our Wednesday evening uh, communion service. We're going to just share communion. We're going to break bread tonight, but um, um, we're just going to worship the Lord for the next 10 minutes. And uh, Johan will just lead us in some worship. Just enjoy the worship. Amen. Turn the volume up. And uh, nobody's watching you. Uh, you can just get lost in the praise and worship um, until about 10 past. And then a couple of announcements about the weekend's meetings. And, um, and then we'll break bread together. Bless you, hon. Good to have you with us. Amen. Welcome, ACF. Welcome all of those Amen. who follow you, hon. Bless you. Come on, let's worship together. Be lifted up. 
Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for signing on. I'm watching to see. And uh, we have, um, is it Debbie watching all the way from Scotland? Welcome, Debbie. It's so good to have you with us and worshiping with us. We're going to continue worshiping a little in a short while um, as we take communion. And uh, Johan will be leading us. But um, just want to welcome you all. Uh, thank you for signing on, joining in, and uh, participating. And tonight, I really just want to try to focus on communion. Now, um, Friday night at 7 p.m., we're having our online prayer meeting once again. It's been a great success. Uh, uh, last Friday, it was really powerful. We had a powerful hour of prayer, and much happened, and great testimonies have come out of last week, Friday night. So this week, Friday night, I will be leading it. Uh, JD and myself are going to go to the church because the curfew has been lifted a little bit. And uh, we'll be praying in the church and leading it from the church. So my plan is to continue the uh, the live prayer meeting on a Friday night, uh, especially because of the winter. And uh, we normally do it on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. in the morning, 7 till 8.30. But just thought that because of the cold weather that um, and, and we get more people joining us on the Friday night just for another month or so, we will continue with the Friday night. And then what my plan is, is on the Saturday morning, uh, obviously there's a group that comes and prays with me at the church, and then we will run it live also from the church at 7 a.m. in the morning. And then people can join us um, and join the group that is praying at the prayer meeting on the Saturday morning at the church. So now, so that's Friday night, 7 p.m., um, and then obviously we'll announce the change over to when we switch to a Saturday morning. And um, great news, we can have church again. But unfortunately, um, it's limited to 50 people per service. So we can have two services. The first one at 8.45 a.m. That's at quarter to nine. And uh, then it'll finish at quarter to 10. And then we'll have the next service from quarter past 10 until quarter past 11. Um, a.m. in the morning. So you need to register. Uh, JD will uh, post it on our, on our website and you need to go on and register. Um, I'm not sure how many we've got for both services and we'll have your forms ready for you. We've got the um, um, thermometers, which we'll just be able to point at you. We have the disinfected liquid so that we are compliant with our government's requirements. And uh, then we will have praise and worship and church and a, and a good solid short word. Um, and it will be just good to get together. So thank you for those that have registered. I think there's a few more slots for both services. So we're running this Sunday morning just to iron out all the wrinkles, and then we will take it from there. We're not sure how long the 50 per service will continue. Um, and then what we may then even do is add a Sunday, uh, sort of a Sunday, you know, 5.30 p.m. meeting, 5.30 to 6.30 p.m., something like that um, in the evening to to ensure that we get the majority of you out on a Sunday. Once again, please remember that um, if you're not well, if you've got flu or if you're concerned, stay at home and you can watch the live stream, okay? If you're well, of course, you, you, you can come, you can be there um, unless you have concerns about the virus, but we're taking every precaution to make sure that everything is taken care of. So that's going to be Sunday morning. So really looking forward to that. So now... Um, if you missed um, last Sunday morning, this last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday, if you missed that message, please watch the message. Um, 
um, I've had so much feedback. Again today, somebody phoned and said, what an awesome message. Uh, Pastor Herod Krobler said it, it had so much in it. He's got to go back and watch it at least three times and listen to it three times this week just to get all the information that was in there. So now um, I, I tried over this lockdown period because remember it came about just before Passover, just before Easter. And um, I went um, into the, the word basically from the triumphal entry uh, all the way through to um, Easter Friday, you know, the crucifixion, Passover Friday, the resurrection Sunday morning, through the 40 days that um, remembering the period where Jesus was appearing and how he appeared to so many of the groups, the significance of the 40 days, the significance of the 50 days, the 10 days, you know, the 50 days in totality, how Jesus appeared to many, you know, gave evidence of the fact that he was alive, resurrected from the dead. Hundreds and hundreds of people saw him. Um, at one stage, he appeared to a group of more than 500 people. Uh, many convincing proofs uh, were, were given by Jesus to prove that he was alive. So possibly included in that was miracles, but the evidence himself, himself in his resurrected body. And then, of course, he taught and instructed, um, discipled the people on, on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so he taught them about that. The road to Emmaus, he showed from scriptures and opened their eyes about how the whole of the Old Testament portrayed and prefigured and was um, clearly taught the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, borrowing words from 1 Peter chapter 1. And so powerful time, um, right through to the ascension, the preparation, the 10 days, you know, preparing for Pentecost and the significance of those 10 days, which speaks about, you know, um, responsibility and privilege. And the disciples were just about to receive the great privilege of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but of course came with it a great responsibility. And, uh, you know, they, they balance each other out so, so the joy does not feel like a burden. And then last Sunday we taught on um, the day of Pentecost. You know, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place in one accord. And when they were sitting there, sound came from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and uh, which filled the place. And uh, what seemed like tongues of fire separated and came down and rested on each one of the disciples' head, heads that were there, the 120. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And the incredible miracle of Pentecost, the era of the Spirit began. The church was born. And uh, so Pentecost Sunday is, you, we can actually sing happy birthday to the church of Jesus Christ because it was the birth of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So really powerful. My throat's tickling. <coughs> Excuse me. And so <clears throat> the birthday of the church, I'm just going to have a cough. Excuse me. And so it was the birthday of the church. It was so powerful. The miracle of the day of Pentecost, that there were people from more than 15 different language, ethnic groups, and all of them heard the disciples in their own language. So there was a supernatural translation of the tongues, the heavenly tongues, and they heard them praising God in their own languages. What a miracle. And the transformation in the lives of those, all of those disciples, including the apostles. We saw a powerful change represented in, of the 12 in the life of Peter because he stood up with great boldness and preached the word of God fearlessly 
And the Jews that heard it were pricked to the heart, cried out, you know, what must we do to be saved? And of course, Peter explained to them the way of salvation. And about 3,000 people were added to the church on that day. So powerful birthday of the church. But I want to just look at sort of the post-Pentecost or the, the apostolic community um, called the church of Jesus Christ. And I just want to very quickly just give you a couple of things and then we're going to break bread because, you know, the breaking bread, the communion tonight will be relevant to that. So all of those 120 were baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. The era of the Spirit had begun. The New Testament had, had really, in, in essence, begun. And um, um, the dynamic change, as I said, in every single one of those people as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I said it on Sunday, and it bears repeating because so many people were blessed by it. The Spirit in me is better than Jesus beside me. And that's why Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. And he said, it's better for you that I go. Because when I go, I can send you the Spirit. So the Spirit is not only with us corporately, but He's in us individually, and that completely changes the entire ball game. And so we have someone in us. And I ended that session saying the powerful thing of Pentecost for me is that number one, we have someone, and that someone is someone special. That someone is not just someone special, but that one is someone supernatural. That is a, someone who is divine. That person is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And so fallen, broken humanity became filled with divinity. And the Apostle Paul tells us about it in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, this treasure, this treasure, when God spoke out of darkness and shone forth his light into our heart, just like at creation, because we are the new creation, the light of God penetrated our hearts and transformed us. He said, we carry this, this treasure in earthen vessels. So now these vessels, these clay jars for noble purposes, carry a divine and heavenly treasure. And of course, the spirit is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The spirit is the down payment. The spirit is also the earnest of our total redemption. And Paul tells us, in the, if you go through from Ephesians and Romans and, and, and 2 Corinthians and, and chapter 5, he talks about the fact that it, it, it's the redemption of our physical bodies. Peter talks about it is the salvation also of our souls because our spirit is born again, but our souls need to, need to still get saved. And, and I believe that as our spirit is already saved and as our souls get saved, which is the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls, something is going to transform in our physical bodies and we'll put on immortality. And so our bodies will re be redeemed. And so all of creation is in eager anticipation, also travailing. It's echoing the cry of the spirit that is inside of us. And so we who have the first fruits of the spirit, the deposit of the spirit, we cry. There's a cry of the spirit. There's a cry of the Holy Spirit in us from our spirits, not only crying Abba Father, but there's a longing inside of us to be fully clothed with the entire um, heavenly dwelling. We, we're longing for full salvation. And then, of course, there's the cry of creation itself, looking for its liberation from bondage. And what it's doing, creation, the created order has got its eyes on us. It's fixed its gaze on us because it knows that's its liberation 
is linked to our manifestation. The liberation of creation is, is tied, uh, inseparably linked to our manifestation as sons of God. And then it too will be released from its bondage to decay. What a powerful, powerful salvation this is. Thank God for the Apostle Paul who came along and the whole journey that he went through, sitting at Sinai for three years and just getting a revelation of God. You know, um, you know there was the prophet Moses who got the understanding of the law and then came along prophet Paul, um, who, who was also the apostle Paul, and started to understand how the law was the school teacher leading us to Christ. And that Christ, when he came, that he is the end of the law, the, the purpose of the law, but also the fulfillment of the law. And so what a salvation. And I've covered it over this whole lockdown period. We went into so many aspects, so many facets, but of course, we were just only scratching the surface. But just briefly now, I want to just go and look at this apostolic community, this post-Pentecost church. Isn't it amazing that the day before and the day after, it was a different looking crowd. I mean, it was a different looking bunch of people. It was a different talking, different walking, different speaking group of people. Uh, as soon as the Holy Spirit took residence inside of them, he had a mission to them and in them, but he had a mission through them uh, to, the, to other believers and out into the world. So we have someone who is in us. We have somewhere to belong, which is the church of Jesus Christ. And uh, she is our mother, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4. But then also we have something to do. And that something to do is a ministry to other believers. And it's outreach and evangelism to a lost and to a broken world. So let's just read a couple of verses um, because already, you know, I can hear the amens and the hallelujahs. I can hear it in the spirit. And, uh, you know, you're getting me all excited and you're drawing the message out of me. I didn't even know what I was going to share tonight, but uh, um, just loving being able to share with you. And so it says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, some of my favorite verses. They devoted themselves. Isn't it interesting that the apostolic church was not a church that needed to be cajoled and begged and uh, forced, you know, or um, guilted into um, going to church and being part of church? You know, it saddens me that there are so many believers who want nothing to do with church. And, um, and it saddens me from this point of view is because the church, that's you, that's all of you that are watching, you are the wife of Jesus Christ. You are the bride of Christ, already married to Christ. And Christ is extremely jealous over his bride. But it saddens me how some members of the bride mistreat the bride when the bride is the apple of Jesus' eye. It is his pride and joy you know, he came to marry us and uh, he's presented us to himself perfect and holy. And um, he is washing us with the pure water of the word. And uh, it, it's just sad to me. And, and I say this with all the love that I can, but with all the honesty and the truthfulness that I can. If you have an issue with church, there's an issue with you. And uh, of course, you know, when we get together, we're not all perfect. We're not 
or perfect in the sense of that we've arrived to the full measure, the full stature of Christ. Every single person is on a journey, but so are you. And so were you, you know, and people put up with your nonsense and put up with your immaturity and, and put up with, you know, all the stuff that you went through and all your hurt and all your pain, they put up with it. And now, you know, you can't handle being part of the bride of Christ, you know, and, and, and being in church. And so the first element, and I, I wasn't intending to preach on this, but I'm sure I can hear an amen. Uh, they devoted themselves. And, and there was something in the life of these New Testament believers where maybe fractured, maybe divided, um, but, but when the Spirit came and the fullness of the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was something inside of them that wanted to connect to the body of Christ. They wanted to be a part of it. They devoted themselves. There wasn't heavy shepherding, lots of phone calls. You know, they plugged in. They didn't have to be phoned and begged and saying, well, we haven't seen you in church for a while, brother and sister. <laughs> they were there. They devoted themselves. And there's a couple of things that they devoted themselves to. First of all, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they devoted themselves to the word of God. Isn't it amazing when the spirit came, there came a deep love of the word of God. And it was also because I believe, I'm sure I'm correct in this, is that because of the illuminating work of the spirit, they started to understand God's word. Their minds were open. They started to experience what Jesus said in John chapter 6, your words, my words are spirit and they are life. And, and so for the first time, the readers, these readers of the word were able to enter into the spirit of the word, the same spirit by which the writers had written. Remember at that stage, their Bible was the Old Testament. And so they were able to enter it because the same spirit that inspired the writing of the word is the same spirit that was enabling them to understand the word, the power of the Holy Spirit. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the word of God. What a fruit of the Spirit. And for me, it's a joy. When I see, and, and you know, I'm speaking, the majority of people in A7, in fact, the majority of you are watching tonight, probably all fit into this category. That's why you've signed in. is because you have this overwhelming, deep desire, this hunger for the Word of God. That is testimony to me of the ministry of the Spirit in your life, is that you're hungry for His Word, you know, and uh, your words, your words. I mean, there's so much in the word about the word. You know, it's like honey in my mouth. And uh, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. You know, it's a word that breaks the rock. You know, it's bread that um, sustains the spirit. And so we can say so much, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the second thing is they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And that's what we're going to do in a few minutes time. Um, um, is, is just come around the breaking of bread. Isn't it amazing that one of the things that these early disciples did, um, it would be the 3,000 plus the 120 now. These 3,120 odd people, um, you know, later it was 5,000, but they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Isn't it amazing that which Jesus instituted on the night that he was betrayed. And we looked at that on, you know, Passover Friday, Easter Friday, when he took the bread, he broke the bread and he took the cup and gave thanks and implemented something that was 
more than a remembrance, more than a memorial. Um, and we can see it now here in this apostolic post-Pentecost or Pentecostal community is how they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. It's, it's incredible to me that as they devoted themselves to the word, of course, that um, suddenly the reality of Christ um, and how they celebrated the person of Jesus, not only the person of Jesus who um, walked the earth as a physical man who healed, etc., but now the ascended Christ, you know, he's Lord in Christ, he's the head of the church, just the reality of Christ. And so they broke bread later, you know, it, it talks about with glad and sincere hearts. And so there was just this incredible thing of breaking bread. And there was such a, a power in the communion together of breaking the bread and um, um, enjoying the fellowship of the spirit, enjoying the, the intimacy with Christ himself and the reality of Christ through the elements of the bread and, and the, the, of the cup, the wine that represented his blood. And I like what Martin Luther said, for them, Christ was in the communion. And so it was more than memorial. And, and Paul writing later um, in 1 Corinthians 11 talked about the fact that, you know, it's healing for us. Um, um, through the cross and the remembrance, the taking of communion, we participate directly in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We, we participate directly in forgiveness of sin and healing for sickness and longevity uh, of life and, and, you know, the power of communion, the reality of it became something that um, caused them to break bread and the inferences on a daily basis, how they went to the house, houses, um, in fellowship and rejoicing with glad and sincere hearts, breaking bread and, and the reality of Christ, just reminding, remembering Christ, his whole ministry, and, and especially the current ministry where he is now for us as well, which we can also celebrate. You know, there's distance now between us and, and the, the Jesus of Nazareth, the physical human Jesus. But listen, there is a continuity of his presence in heaven. And so there's no break and no time separation um, with the relationship of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And heaven is a reality extremely close by. And so he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. And so all of the beauty of Christ and the beauty of the cross work of Jesus is celebrated in the communion. So they devoted themselves to the word, to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to um, uh, fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. So let me just now talk about the fellowship as well. Isn't it amazing? I did touch on it, how people don't want to be a part of church. But for them, it wasn't just their Sunday meetings now because they started meeting on the first day of the week. Uh, it wasn't just that. It spilled over into everyday life. Isn't it amazing? how this early church loved each other because of the spirit in them. So it was by the spirit, the spirit enabling them. But, you know, you know, sometimes we can, we can, um, we, we can kind of use that phrase as almost uh, as an escapism or as just a saying. And, you know, we can say to, I love you with the love of the Lord. Well, you know, to, if I say the, the love was of the spirit, and if I say to you, I love you with the love of the Lord, basically I'm saying I love you with the same kind of love that Jesus has 
but it's my love. I love you. And, and there was such a transformation in the hearts of these believers by the Spirit, because of the Spirit, that they genuinely, genuinely loved each other. And, um, you know, there were people just like us. It doesn't mean to say they were not difficult people, not strange parts, <laughs> you know. Uh, of course, we don't have that at ACF. We're all most amazing and wonderful people. But, but there was, no, you know, they had the difficult. They had, you know, the immature. They had the broken. They had the wounded people. But, but there was this overwhelming, genuine love of, of God for one another. And they were delighted to go and visit one another and go and see one another, you know. And, um, you know, I'm sure that they, was, they would have suffered terribly if there was lockdown, <laughs> lockdown in those days, you know, because they went from home to home, breaking bread, praying for one another, ministering to one another, encouraging one another. That fellowship, that fellowship of the Holy Spirit is amazing. And, you know, very often at ACF, it's reflected in the coffee shop after the service. And uh, we're trusting that very soon we'll be able to get back to that. But just the fellowship, that quinonia fellowship, and taking time and listening to each other. You know, you're interested in the other person's interests because you, you, you love them. You, you listen to their sufferings because you love them, their trials. You listen to their victories, their successes, their testimonies because you love them. And that's, that's this post-Pentecost church. It was like born again, born again, you know. And I, I don't know about you, but I just feel like we need a fresh wind, fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. It's just so amazing. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the word. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And, of course, they also uh, devoted themselves to prayer, 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 prayer. I'm sure, don't you think they learned something in that 10 days of prayer prior to Pentecost? I wonder if they hadn't prayed, if they hadn't gone uh, to the temple daily and waited for the promise of the Father. God would have poured him out, but they wouldn't have been in the place to receive, you know? And, and, and so something of the significance, the importance, the power of prayer, this post-Pentecost church learned and so their prayers and their prayer meetings didn't stop with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They didn't go like, okay, well, we got what we prayed for. They suddenly saw, oh, my word, there is so much more. And we need to continue praying. Now, I just need to throw this in. The, the Spirit is the Spirit inspired the Word. So naturally, it would be a fruit of the presence of the Spirit to read and to enjoy and to love the Word. Because he's the spirit of the word. He's the spirit who inspires the word. And of course, he's the spirit of fellowship because he's the spirit that connects us, the quinonia of, of, of the Holy Spirit. And he is a fellowshipping spirit because he's brought us together into one body by one spirit baptized into one body. So, of course, there will be holy relationships in the body of Christ. By the Spirit. And then the third thing, of course, is, is the, the Spirit revealing the truths of Christ. And, and, and so communion, communion is something that should be just like the reading of the Word, should be something that takes place in the Spirit. And then lastly, prayer, prayer, prayer in the Spirit. The Spirit is a praying Spirit. The Spirit is an interceding Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a Spirit of prayer. That's what He's doing inside of us. 
You know, that's the spirit of intercession that cries out to God and says, there's got to be more. There has to be more. I want more. That's the spirit of Christ in us. Uttering mysteries, longing, jealously yearning towards Christ, drawing us Christward, you know, in opposition to the spirit of the world, which would take us away in an adulterous relationship to Christ and break fellowship with him. The spirit pulls in the other direction. He's a spirit of godly jealousy, um, taking us lovingly to Christ, our savior. And so he's a spirit of prayer. Now, let me just read some of the, the descriptions out of this. It says in verse 44, all the believers were together, were together and had everything in common. You know, it blesses me. Um, ACF, you know, as a church, you got, you bless me. This church blesses me. I mean, just last week, Friday night in the prayer meeting, two people that are somewhere in South Africa who joined the prayer meeting um, just were asking for prayer for a need. And, and uh, a generous couple in the church have been sowing so much and blessing and, and just giving sacrificially. Um, you know, these people are not even part of ACF. But listen, they, this couple understands they're part of the body of Christ and just sowed and blessed this, these two different families. And the testimonies that came back, I got the WhatsApp audios just of the joy, the absolute unbelief. The one brother said, you've completely knocked the wind right out of my sails. You know, and that, that spirit of generosity is the apostolic church. It's the post-Pentecost church. You don't read of it so much before, but now you read of it as part of the dynamic life of the church. And, and what a joy to belong to a church like ACF. And, you know, you just see and hear, you know, you know, and I hear of how, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ have been blessed by others and, um, and by people who've got jobs, who've, who, who are, you know, not multi-millionaires, but, but who just have the spirit of generosity. Man, that's the New Testament church. That's the Pentecostal church. You know, how many cars have been sown um, in, in our church? You know, how many watches have been given? How many guitars? How many motorbikes? How many, I mean, what a giving, what a sowing church. How many hundreds of thousands of rands have been sowed? People's cars paid off. And uh, what, what, a, what a church, what a church. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Listen, I said this to people years ago, and it's not something you do to take advantage of. And it's, you know, you check your motivation, obviously. But I, many years ago, we had a couple in the church and the wife had a terrible accident, life-threatening, and potentially that, that she would be a brain damage for the rest of her life. But ACF got together for six solid weeks. There was prayer and fasting every day. Uh, um, people in the church fed the family because the, the husband had to be between work and the hospital and there was a young family. For six weeks, fed them. Finances were taken care of and whatever, whatever. And, and uh, she, the, the wife was miraculously healed. She's still good today. And uh, the, the powerful thing about it is they were overwhelmed. Um, the, the brother of the husband uh, phoned, and that's how we got to know one another. We're still friends today. He said, I have never seen or heard of a church like this. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I said is, I said, if you, if you pull into the body, if you connect to the body, the body will minister to you. And so you can't, um, you know, join a church for the motive of getting help. But when there's genuine love for the body, 
the body, um, the body works, the body ministers, you know, so be connected to the church. They were all together, had everything in common. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And, you know, people in our church have done that, um, sold property. Uh, one precious couple in the church heard from God and uh, they sold a property and um, settled Bev and my, my, the mortgage on a house, paid off our bond on a house, but they sold the property, um, you know, to, to, to bless us and to alleviate financial pressure on us. And, and a little bit more to it than that, because we were preaching about, you know, getting out of debt and things like this. And, but the generosity uh, that comes, that is of the spirit. That's not natural. <laughs> That's more than human. That's divine. That is a direct testimony to this special someone who lives inside of me. And that special someone is Jesus by his spirit. And so they sold their property possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's where they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they continued. They broke bread in their homes. They went house to house. Um, ate together with glad and sincere hearts and not only the communion but they had meals together and uh, um, with glad and with sincere hearts and so not only were, were there a church that studied God's word not only were there a church of true Holy Spirit fellowship not only were there a church that um, realized the, the, the reality of Christ and celebrated it in the communion they were a church of prayer but not only that, they were a church of praise. And it says, uh, um, praising God, verse 47, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it was a church of prayer. It was a church of praise. But it was also a giving church, as I mentioned. It was a joyful church, a joyful church. Yeah, there's nothing worse. I remember the early days when I took over um, Airport Christian Fellowship, was a handful of people, struggling church, they were going to close it down and sell the building and, and things like this. It wasn't called Airport Christian Fellowship those days, but um, I, I would come to the service and of course everybody would walk in stiff and starchy and not smiling and, you know, look at each other and things like this. And it pained my heart, you know, because it was like, you, those, you know, you watch those people before they walk into the church, they're standing outside, they're laughing and they're joking and they're fellowship and they're talking and they're walking to church and this, <laughs> you know, this religious spirit falls over them. No, 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 serious. And yeah, we need to be sincere with God, but we can be glad and sincere. We can be rejoicing and, you know, serious about our worship. And it used to pain me, you know, and I used to get celebrate. We're not going to worship. We're not going to take communion. We're not going to, I'm not going to preach. I want you to go and sit with somebody and just sit and talk to them, find out how they're weak is and, you know, tell each other a joke, have a laugh, you know, let's, come on. Well, of course, you don't have to do that in ACF anymore. When everybody gets together, you know, you think you're in a mall or a market or something like this, and the buzz, or whatever. you know, it's difficult to get people quiet to, to start church, you know, and the spontaneity during the preaching and, you know, it's reflective of, the, the dynamic, energizing life of the Spirit in us. Now, of course, if you were to ask me, I would say to all of you as your pastor, I, I just want, I want it more. I, I just, I want to see so much more of it. And that's why 
in the after the unlock, I think it would be a good idea if we started home groups again. And uh, for a couple of weeks, I'm going to continue with the Wednesday night, these Wednesday night services because of the, the shortened format of Sunday. Um, it's a good opportunity for me just to get the word out, um, you know, um, because we'll have to be a little bit more concise on Sunday morning. But yeah, so the giving and the joy and, and the fellowship, it was a praising church. It was a praying church. And, and, um, and I was talking about the joy. Um, we should be happier at church, not more miserable. <laughs> it shouldn't be a pain for us. We should be reflecting David's attitude. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of God. Excuse me as I said. Glad and sincere hearts and, and full of joy. And so I, I'm going to just need to have a coffee. Excuse me, a couple of minutes left. And of course, you know, one of the things that always struck me about the early church, and I want to close with this, and then Johanna's going to come back. So we said they studied the word, they gave themselves to fellowship, to communion. They devoted themselves. They weren't chaste. Um, they devoted themselves to prayer. They were a praising church. Um, they were a giving church. They were a joyful church. And I forgot to mention they were a witnessing church. But it wasn't something that was difficult and painful and they had to, you know, like gut themselves up to it. It was something that just bubbled out of them. And, you know, when, when part of the reason that they had the favor of all the people was because of the joy, because of the buoyant attitudes, because they just saw, man, these are happy people. These are wonderful people. And so witnessing was easy. I'm sure they got asked a lot of questions, you know, uh, what's it with you people? You're different, you know, you're, you're amazing. You know, I remember um, one time it was in the period of 1994. And if John and Kathy Lawrence are, are listening from Australia, they'll remember this, of course, very clearly. But we took a team down and we were invited to preach in Port Elizabeth. And uh, I was really during that 94 tremendous move of the spirit that very much, you know, Toronto um, was, was where it kind of had a lot of its beginnings. And I had been there and we had an explosion of the spirit in the church. And, and one of the churches down in, two of the churches down in Port Elizabeth asked me to go and preach an Afrikaans assembly, an English assembly. We went to go and preach and we had a phenomenal move of the spirit. And, um, you know, John and Kathy came with me. We had a couple of young people with us. And um, one of the ladies from that church down there, we were driving and we stopped outside a, a cafe because we were so full of God. We were overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. We, we were so full of joy. We were laughing and praising God. And, and it was just the joy of the Lord. And the two young guys opened the, the doors, the side doors at the back of the car. They were going to get out and go in and get us a cool drink or something to drink. And uh, they were so overwhelmed by the Spirit. They literally fell, <laughs> fell out of the car. Their feet still inside the car, but they were laying out on the tarmac laughing um, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And of course, inside the car, we were, we were just so full of God, just laughing. And a young girl in school uniform, about 14, 15, walked past and she turned around and she looked at the two young guys and said to one of them, she said, I want some of that stuff that you're on. And of course, that became hysterical to us because I think she thought it was either alcohol or drugs, you know, because the manifestations looked very much the same, I guess. 
And when they said, no, man, you don't understand. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When they said that, she took off running um, down the road. She bolted. But, but just, you know, when, when the, the community saw the, the, the joy, the spontaneity, the love in the early church witnessing was easy. Kind of like, I want what you got. I um, remember many years ago, and uh, Johan will come back in a minute or so now. Somebody was witnessing to another man and telling him about Jesus. And he said, I want to tell you about Jesus, you know, because he was sharing, witnessing dutifully or whatever it was. And the guy looked at him and said, hey, man, <laughs> I've got enough problems of my own. <laughs> you know, thank you. And, and so when people look at us, they mustn't think, get saved, what for, you know? Get saved and be miserable like you. You know, um, and I know that's not true of ACF and it's not true of any of you that I'm speaking to. I'm preaching to the converted. I'm just reinforcing the fact that the Pentecostal apostolic church is a powerful church and they're happy and they're praising God and so on. And the last thing, and that is, I was struck years ago reading through the book of Acts that these people were incredibly positive, positive positive the holy spirit makes you positive he makes you biblically optimistic now this is relevant to communion tonight and relevant to the pandemic that we're in and we're going through and praise god coming out of you know the disciples lived in a world that was far more wicked far more oppressive than the country that we live in or the world that we live in under roman rule and uh you know you know the story of some of the caesars and and uh, the persecution, the wickedness that went on. But they had an understanding of the kingdom that Jesus had explained to them in that period of 40 days. And so their hope was not in a world system. Their hope was not in a government or a country. Their hope was firmly fixed on the King Jesus. That's where their eyes were. And their hope was in the kingdom of God. And so they were exceptionally positive. You don't hear them moaning about the government. You don't hear them moaning about the, the country they lived in. They, they had a mission that, that superseded that. And they had a lifestyle that couldn't be uh, suppressed or quenched or doused out. Um, their hope was, was um, yeah, unquenchable. And their love for one another was unstoppable. And they became a force that changed the whole world. So with glad and sincere hearts, I want to just speak to you now and, and just say, Johanna's going to come back online. And just say this to you, that, um, that we're going through a pandemic. But communion tells us, communion speaks to us, communion tells us, communion says that there is life after death, that there is victory afterwards, that there is something beyond. And, and for the disciples who went from elation to dashed hopes, um, to, to um, re re-resurrected hopes in the Lord Jesus Christ to dash hopes when he said he was going away again. And when he came back in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, they, they were unstoppable. And I want to just encourage you, those of you who maybe have lost jobs, maybe your income has been severely knocked um, or, or whatever. I, I can guarantee you, I can prophesy out of the word and say, there's hope, there's hope and, and it's going to change. And God will raise you up and God will bless you. Um, God will bless you again. God will restore. 
and any, any period of time where locusts have devoured anything in our lives, God restores that. And so when we take communion tonight, take it with a fresh revelation coming out of Pentecost. Take it with the understanding of, of the fact of the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Johan, are you there? You're going to lead us. Johan, is Johan van Rensburg there? Johan van Rensburg. Johan, are you there? I don't know if we've lost connection. Here he comes. Uh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. He's back. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. So I, I want to just say, I want you to get, I've got myself a biscuit ready and I've got myself some, and this is genuine red wine. And uh, not that I, I drink it. It was here when we had someone visiting us. So, but nothing wrong with having a glass of wine. But uh, so just to remember the body and the blood of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you just to lead us in one song. Then we're going to break bread. And then he's going to just continue to lead us in worship another one or two after that. And we're going to take uh, communion together. If you're sitting together as a family with your children, uh, break bread with your children. It doesn't matter how young they are. You know, they, can, they will learn. You know, you can explain the gospel to them. You know, they're not excluded from it. They're sanctified by you. Share communion with your children, husbands and wives, family members. Break bread. Let's share it together. While Johan sings his worship song, quickly, if you haven't got, got something, go and get something. If you haven't got a red juice, you can drink a clear juice. You can drink anything. You can use water, get a piece of bread. But let's just worship together. Amen. This is the body And this is the blood Broken and poured out For all of us And in this communion We share in His love And this is the body Yeah. 
This is the body. This is the blood. Come on, church. Let's join together. Debbie in Scotland, Ashot Stepanian from Yerevan, Armenia. I saw that you were watching. Why don't we take the, the bread? Because on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And it's just really interesting that, you know, on the day of Pentecost, they would bring in, you know, um, a sheaf of wheat made into two loaves of bread and um, infused with oil, anointed with wine, talking about the two becoming one body. And uh, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And so bread is symbolic that we are now the body of Christ, but also the, the body of Jesus was broken so that we can receive the bread of healing and the bread of his life. And he took it and he said, take, eat this, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat it, this is my body broken for you. So now it means that you and I, our brothers and sisters in Christ, one. So let's take and eat it together. Thank you, Jesus. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new testament in my blood. And blood was shed for the remission of sins. And isn't it beautiful that Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, because he forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. And so we remember, we remind ourselves, and we into the reality of the cross. And Paul said, if we eat it recognizing the cross of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, if we discern his body, his blood, we won't be weak, we won't be sick. And we won't die prematurely. And so let's drink together and celebrate the blood of Jesus. We are now in a new covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, and not only that, 
but we're connected inseparably to each other. We're one love. We're the body of Christ. Just as you're sitting there, Christ in the communion, just while I was praying, while Johan was playing, I just saw two or three things that I just want to mention and uh, just pray for. Saw that someone is battling, and it seems like with both of your knees, and and like this, the, this pain in both of your knees, both of your knees. Now, if you've got pain in either the left or the right, put your hand on your knees as well. But I just saw there's somebody with pain in both your knees and you've been asking the Lord and crying out to the Lord. And, and so the Lord Jesus right now is healing and I'm speaking healing to you. And um, so just touch the screen, the, the phone or the whatever, just reach your hand out to mine. And, and I'm just speaking healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that those knees are strengthened and healed in the name of Jesus Christ right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And there's someone, um, you've been having um, issues with your bladder and, and I'm, I just feel to pray over it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but you've been, you've been experiencing some kind of problems with the bladder. And, and so it's been a concern for you as well. And I, I just speak and declare healing for your bladder right now in the name of the Lord Jesus, this proper full function and wholeness um, in that area of your body in the name of Jesus Christ. And there's someone else that I saw, and it's almost like there's a trembling in your body. Um, I, I, and I don't think, I think it's a physical thing. I don't think that it's, it's because you're worried or anxious, but there's a trembling that the tr constant trembling that's going inside of your body. It's like your system is out of, um, out of uh, synchronicity or, or something like that I'm seeing. So I, I prophesy and declare healing to you right now in the name of Jesus. Now, if there's anybody else, whatever it is, that's just words of knowledge and that I call out. But if there's anyone else that just needs a touch of healing, why don't we just reach out to, to the Lord Jesus Christ that is present by his spirit, Paul said, if we recognize the body of Jesus, which you do, the cross work of Jesus, you will not be weak, you will not be sick. And so, Lord, right now we're touching, we're trusting you for a touch in our bodies. We're reaching out, Lord, as we participated by faith in the body of Christ. We are on the right side of the cross. We are on the benefit side of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we receive healing for our bodies in the name of the Lord Jesus. And for anyone's lost work, I declare work. Anybody has taken a knock financially, I speak restoration in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, time is up, but I would love us. Just why don't we worship together um, just once more with Johan? You know, I preached longer than what I anticipated, but that's okay. Johan, just, just minister to us again. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus, you're the only one 
Jesus, you're the only one. And Jesus, and Jesus, you're the only one. And jealous, and jealous, you're the Crucified with Christ, 
no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. No longer I live, but now I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Wow. The life I live now, I live by faith in the Son of Christ, Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Just very quickly as we come to close, thank you, Johan. Really appreciate you being with us. Just very quickly, I don't know if it's in your diary, in your journal, scrap piece of paper next to you. <clears throat> Somewhere you've written something. I see somebody and, and, it's, and I see you've written in, in one color, but somewhere in the middle, there's something that you've declared or prophesied or you've prayed and you've written it out and it looks like it's in red with red pen and there's an asterisk on either side of it and it's something you believe in God for and maybe it's just in red because I'm seeing that it's of importance to you but you could have actually physically written in red so I saw writing somewhere in the middle it's something that you've declared or spoken or you're asking God for in red asterisk either side and I feel like the Lord is saying that he's heard that he's granted that and it's on the way and it's something to do with a job or application or, or finances or something like that but it's a vision thing and you, you you spoke it out so for someone who's watching you know I want to just say the Lord has seen that and the answer has been released to you and it's coming soon in Jesus' name. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Johan. And uh, so Friday night, just register. It's a closed group for an hour, seven o'clock to eight o'clock Friday night, online prayer meeting. JD and I will be in the church and I'll be leading that prayer meeting. It's going to be glorious. And then Sunday morning for a service, quarter to nine. And then the second service at quarter past 10, you've got to register because we have to have record and we want to have the forms ready to facilitate it, make it as easy as possible for you. Now, next week, not this Sunday, but next week, Sunday, I believe Johanna is coming to help us with worship. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But until then, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord continue to shine his face upon you. The Lord continue to grant you favor and peace and great joy. The Lord bring about every vision every prayer that you've prayed and everything you've prophesied, may it come to pass soon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be well, be safe. Love you. Can't wait to be together with you. Amen. Bless you.
Thank you, Jan. Thank you.